Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the site, Kai Carlin. I have my guy with me, Cameron Fields. Cam, how are you, my guy? Man, Kai, I'm doing pretty good. I was just reading this story. The murder hornets, I guess we don't have to be as worried about them as we currently are. So I guess that's a bright spot reading this story is like hey all right at least that's something that 2020 gave us right at, at, at least like you know we're yeah not, like so there we go all right 2020 gave us something because i saw cam that a snowstorm is supposed to be coming our way now that that see i was i was mad about that i was like you know <laughs> I was like you know i i don't know what i don't know what the midwest and northeast is on right now but i don't uh-huh. like it i don't like it i don't like what i see like in May, like we're going to get snow in May. I, I don't understand it. I turn 2023 next Wednesday. It better not snow. <laughs> better not snow on your birthday, dude. Like, like that, like that's just pretty tough. Like that whole, that, that, that's a tough scene. You want to talk about a scene that's tough. It's something you, that you really hate to see. That's it. You really just hate to see it. Um, guys, we're going to jump right into it today. Elton Brand, Philadelphia 76ers general manager. He made himself available Tuesday. Now, there were some comments made that, you know, kind of shed some light on what's going on in the world right now. He revealed that he's on a committee that is committed to returning to basketball as safe as possible. He's on a conference call with uh, NBA commissioner Adam Silver every week to kind of begin to get basketball moving again they are desperate to resume the season they're desperate to crown a champion we've talked about this before um they can maybe even use baseball as an example cam because i'm hearing that baseball is officially going to resume spring training 2.0 on june 10th which then the regular season would start july 1st in baseball they would have like a hundred game season and just go straight to the playoffs after that maybe they could use that as an example so right now i'm on a weekly jam call uh, with adam silver that he's leading um, I'm on a committee for return to play, um, and they're looking at all options. You know, it's it's it is too early to speculate on what it's going to be this year, um, but it's going to be based on on safety. It's going to be based on health. To steal a line from Adam Direct, he said it's going to be based on data, not a date, and then we'll figure everything else from there. The fact that they have a committee. They're committed to return to basketball. I mean, that, that's got to be something. That's got to be something good, right? Right. I mean, it just shows that they're taking the right, you know, preparations, you know, the right um, things in terms of preparing for if and when they get back to resuming the season. So having that committee in place, that shows that, hey, it's like we're looking at all of our options. We're really trying our best to get things back going here. And like you mentioned with the baseball, that's something that you can see uh, use as like a blueprint possibly now baseball is different because there really isn't as much you know player to player interaction going on I mean yeah balls hit then someone fields it you know throws it to the first baseman out or it just you know pop flies to the outfielder guys in the midi with um you know other executives in the league then you know that can just help you know things kind of get off the ground and hopefully soon too because you know I mean the league it's been off for a good while and, you know, there's hopefully things can start to get rolling here soon as, as some teams have started to reopen their – are going to start to reopen their practice facilities here soon. One of those was the Cleveland Cavaliers, if I'm not mistaken, right, Cam? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to reopen tomorrow. There's a lot of restrictions. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you can't have more than four players there. You know, every people got to – you got to do their social distancing while you're there. Um, I know, too, that – 
you know, there's some, you know, areas of the practice facility that will not be open um, players and they got they got to wear masks whenever they're not, you know, doing physical activity, you know, whenever they're not working out. And I'm pretty sure they also have to have their own balls too. like once it's that like that's their ball once they have it and things like that. So there, there is going to be definitely some restrictions to be the you know have so you can have precautions in place for this all right well i mean at least it's something at that point right so i mean the nba has said that i saw a report that they're willing to even go into september like like with this season like like they are willing to stretch this out as much as they can so i mean elton is is, is on this committee to try to bring basketball back he did say and he kind of echoed what adam silver said in this statement he did say it's not going to be a date it's going to be to be based on data and, and science and, and things like that, which is, it, it's smart. You gotta be able to take all the precautions that you possibly can right now. And and, I, and I've said in the past, Cam, that I trust Adam Silver. I think Silver is going to make the best decision no matter what. I mean, it's, even if he does kind of cancel the season, which I'd probably be bummed out for like the longest time, but it's probably gonna be the best decision to be out there. So, I mean, a, Adam Silver, I, I trust him out of all four of the commissioners, to be honest with you. When it comes to returning, you know, whenever the season does return, Elton Brand did also have another comment saying that his team is on a deep dive on the Boston Celtics. Uh, as we've mentioned before on this podcast, and as everybody knows, if the season does does get scrapped. The Sixers would be the sixth seed. They would they would take on the Boston Celtics in round one. But um, yeah, we are preparing as if um, we're going to go to the playoffs and, and play the Celtics. The Sixers have done their research. They've talked about the Celtics. They they've done a deep dive on them and. And it does it does kind of seem, Cam, and I don't know about you, but this team, they're gonna they're gonna scrap the regular season. I can't see them actually playing any regular season games. I just I really think they'll just go straight. Yeah. I know well, I know see JB Bickerstaff, uh, there was a call, Zoom call yesterday with uh, the local Cleveland reporters. He was, you know, the Cavs, they're you know, lottery team. He was hopeful that, you know, they'll be able to play again. So uh, we'll see with the regular season. Um, now, like you said, I'm not sure if that's likely for the regular season to come back, especially like if we, I think that for all, you know, potential playoff time is just so good to look at your uh, possible playoff matchup. And there's a lot more that you can do now on both sides. Sixers are getting a game plan for the Celtics. Uh, you know, if, you know, one, then what's the, if the playoffs, you know, come back, but you know, the Celtics are also getting to do the same thing. So each team is really getting the, that chance. And I think that's that could make for a really good postseason um, if the season resumes. I really do believe – I just don't see a point for playing any type of regular season games. I mean, Elton did come out and say – he actually also said that he wants to give his guys like a month to kind of train again to kind of get after it, which is why I think – yeah. Which is, which is why I think June will kind of be like a training type of month and then they'll just go straight to the playoffs in July. Or if they do play some type of regular season games and that's what they'll use June for, just have maybe like two weeks to kind of train and then two weeks of regular season games in June and then go yeah. straight to the playoffs in July, maybe use that. Right. So like that, that's an option that they could possibly use out there and throw that out there and see how that plays out, see how that'll work. But like for a team like Cleveland or a team like, say, Golden State, 
or a team like, I don't know, New York or Detroit, like those teams, like, like they're done. It's very hard for me to kind of like see the Cavaliers, even though J.B. Bickersap did say, Cam, that like we're hopeful to play. I, I can't really see them being like the players being like, okay, yay, we'll play two weeks and let's go, go home. Like, because they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the, but too, I mean, there is an argument for so, some of the lottery teams. It's like, hey, we want to get a chance to – you know, end on a on a good note too, because the Cavs they were really kind of getting everything together, especially once JB Bickerstaff took control of the team and became head coach. So I mean, yeah, there is an argument for the lottery teams too. It's like, hey, we want to finish our season out. We want to get a good look at our young guys and and see where we're headed too. So um, I think yeah, there is a an argument for that. I get it. I guess that does make sense. You want to be able to see kind of where you're at. And also in Cleveland's case, you want to see how Andre Drummond and Kevin Love kind of work out. Right. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Because Andre that. Drummond, he, yeah, he really hadn't had a lot of time um, with Cleveland. Yeah. He hadn't played a lot of games um, there. So yeah, now that would be, that would be good for them to see how he fits because they were still learning how he would fit in the overall system as well. Yeah, so you know, I mean, I can see it. I just don't, I just don't know if the league will like kind of be all right. Let's just play some regular season games before the playoffs. It's for me, just it kind of just would make the most sense. Just scrap it, go straight to the playoffs, finish it as quickly as possible, and then go from there. When it comes to uh, the Sixers a- as a whole, Elton did say that they're kind of they s- scouted like Miami, they scouted Indiana, they looked at some other teams just in case, uh, which is smart, but. It just makes sense that they would probably play Boston round one and just kind of go from there. Like, like that, that's just me, though. Yeah. And then, too, in the past few years, I mean, you, you, they have a level of familiarity with Boston because, you know, they, that's kind of been their playoff and also in-season rival. Uh, I think that they have the most, the most difficult time with Boston in terms of, from a from an offensive standpoint now yeah Philly they can defend pretty much anyone this this Philly team but even before this season you know in previous seasons I thought that the Sixers were basically at their worst offensively whenever they played Boston just because of how strong Boston's defense is so we'd have to see how this year's Philly team would be offensively against you know another good Boston defense but um I think that would be definitely the, you know, the deal, the deal breaker there because Philly's offense hasn't been where it should be the whole year. Exactly. Philly's offense has been so up and down. Um, there was another comment that kind of stood out to me with Elton, and that was how uh, the team's going to handle the NBA draft. Obviously, this draft year is going to be a lot different considering like what's going on in the world. So. They're not going to be able to have guys into the, uh, the facility and kind of see what they um, what they can do on an on right. on-court basketball environment. They're All they're really going to have is YouTube tape on their regular season and, right. uh, you know, Zoom conference calls. Elton, um, this is a direct quote from Elton. The draft is, you know, it's a multi-year thing. It's a build-up. And it's just, you know, the draft night is the culmination of that. So we, we know who the prospects are. We do deep dives, um, but it's, you know, there's little things that you can pick up one-on-one and in person and, and talking to a, to, to a, a potential prospect. So it's, it's much different um, interviewing someone on Zoom and not having them come into the court for a workout. How tough is that, you know, like for a team, you think? Because this team, they've got five draft picks this year. Four of them are in the second round, 
And when right. it comes to second round prospects, it's probably better to really have them in person and be able to see yes. what they do rather than, you know, just YouTube tape, especially for a second yeah. round. Yeah, well, not even just second round. I mean, you look at Philly, they're not going to be, you know, they're not a lottery team. So they're going to be picking, you know, later in the first round. That's where you really want to go for fit. And you don't have to go for best available. So when you're looking for fit, your scouting really comes into play. I mean, exactly. yeah, you know, when you're when you're a lottery team, pretty much everyone is going to have a very, very similar big board. Everyone's going to like have a you know similar view of who the top pros- prospects are. But once you get into the late later the first round, that's where you start to differentiate and be like, okay, this is our guy kind of thing. This is someone that we really coveted. So how are you going to be able to gauge who you really desire? Um, just through that, you're going to have to really look at have some detailed looks at that tape and the zoom calls i mean it's going to be what it is it's you know that's all you're going to have in terms of interaction with different players so it, it you're scouting people team scouting is really going to have to be important this season yeah and he really praised uh vince rosman who was the team's vice president of, of scouting vince rosman kind of received a lot of praise from elton and rosman did a really good job of um, really gathering all the prospects together last year. Now, last year in 20, entering the 2019 draft, the Sixers were so focused on a guy who was experienced and a guy who was NBA ready. That's why they went after Matisse Thybul, a guy who he was a four-year senior player at Washington. You know, obviously he's had a terrific season at the NBA level in terms of his defense and his offense, I believe, will come. There are signs. The 2020 draft is going to be different. You have to keep all yeah. options open because of A, what's going on, and B, the Sixers, as you mentioned, Cam, they're not drafting but necessarily for best player available. You're drafting for the best fit. Now, we've talked immensely about guys like Jamias Ramsey. We've talked about Kira Lewis Jr. Um, but there's one guy I think the Sixers should at least consider at 22, and that's Desmond Bain. I, I, okay. I, I don't know how much you watch of this kid. I mean, he's a kid that he really only caught my eye maybe two weeks ago, and I included him in, in a sleeper post that I did oh, okay. uh, a couple days ago. But Desmond Bain is a guy who um, he shot over 42% from deep over the past three years at TCU. And I really think that he's the guy that maybe the Sixers should look at at 22, especially if they're going to keep the options open. Yeah, I mean, having that, those shooting percentages, I mean, yeah, that, they need shooting. So, you know, that could be a good fit for them. I know you've mentioned Kira Lewis Jr. before, and he could also be a great fit. Jamias Ramsey, good shooter. So, yeah, I think that they need that shooter out of this draft. Um, you know, they got their wing defender, Matisse Stiebel. I think he's going to be one of the best defenders in the league for a long time. And also, I think he um, his three-point shooting can improve, too, with time. Um, but, you know, they need that that sharpshooter, this draft. I think that's really what they should be looking at. Yeah, I mean, I think shooting really has to kind of be the number one thing that they're, they're looking at. If they're pick at 22, they have, like, so many different options that they can roll with. I mean, we talked about... Lewis Jr., we talked about Ramsey, we talked about, um, we, well, we talked about Bain. There are a couple other options they can go. Colton Brand said that he's looking at guys that will, you know, fit their identity. He says versatility, dynamic, and committed to defense. Those were the three things uh, that he brought up. So what, what guys out there are going to fit all three of those aspects? Bain can maybe fit versatility. Ramsey can fit versatility. So can Lewis. But none of none of those guys are really defenders. So Elton Brand, Elton Brand and his staff are really going to have to like kind of dive deep and kind of see what they can do with this draft. Yeah. 
The thing is, though, too, I mean, yeah, you might have a quality that's left out there. Uh, with the draft, with young players, you're really not going to find too many players who are very defensive-oriented um, coming out of the draft. Um, you know, you have some guys, in it, like Isaac Okoro, he, you know, a defensive uh, player. But, you know, a lot of players, every draft, you don't find too many guys who are like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to immediately help us on the defensive end. That, that usually has to be developed and, and groomed. Um, so, but I think that shooting is something that, yeah, it can be improved. But if you're looking at someone who already can shoot, it's like, hey, we don't have to do too much with you. You can come in and already do this. So that, that, that's a good thing to have. All right. Enough about Elton Brand and everything else. Let's talk about Allen Iverson, Cam, because today, eight, practice. today, 18 years ago, Cam, it's 18 years oh old. Oh, my gosh. Allen Iverson said the Dang. word practice 22 and a half times. It's a half because he said prac one time, and then, you know, he's kind of, he got cut off. So or I'm counting that half. So we okay. said 22 and a half times, Cam. We in here talking about practice. And he was 18 years old today. And a post by the Athletics, Rich Hoffman, he did like a, an oral history kind of, oh, okay. of, of what happened. And Hoffman, right. and Hoffman talked to a guy named Larry Platt, who is the author of um, Only the Strong Survive. And he was kind of like a, a biography of Iverson and his impact on basketball and hip hop and things like that. Yeah. So Platt told Hoffman, that in the middle of practice, Iverson had a thing for Taco Bell. So he would leave practice. He would leave practice, down some burritos, and then come back to and finish up practice. I, I don't know if I should be impressed or, you know, wonder what the hell was Larry Brown trying to do there. Hey, man. Look, as I've said before we went on, Taco Bell is the greatest fast food establishment on earth. Yeah, now, debatable. You know, now... I'm not, you know, too keen on the burritos. Like, I used to eat the five, five uh, beefy layer burritos or whatever, beef layer burrito, but the chalupas and the gorditas go hard. The they cheesy gordita hard. crunch is my favorite. The cheesy yes. gordita crunch is my favorite. I will say that. Like, like that slaps. But no nothing respect to AI. Nothing, nothing touches Chick-fil-A. But that's not what we're talking. We'll get to that at, at, at some point. But Iverson's practice tirade. I mean, like – is it not the greatest sports rant of all time? Could you think of another one that could rival it? Uh, I mean, Dennis Green, when he was like, uh, they are who we thought they were. That's a good one. That's a good um, one. The, the playoffs one from Herman Edwards is always a good one. No, oh, uh, that's uh, my bad. My bad. That was, um, that was a Jim Mora. My fault. Yeah, my fault. yeah. Uh, uh, Herman uh, Edwards was like, you play, you play to, win, to win, the win the game. That's a great one, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those are good ones. I think I, I think I would take the practice one, though. I, I, I don't think anything rivals the, the practice one for me. Like, yeah. That's incredible. He talked about he, – we're talking about practice, man. Not a game. Not a game. About practice. We're talking about practice, man. Like, how silly is that? Like, that – oh, man. I'm telling you, AI was real, man. That, that was his impact on the league. Like, he was just himself. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, that was incredible. That, that, that whole thing was incredible. There was another thing I, that caught my eye about this oral history, though, Cam. He never yeah. lifted weights. Hey, I mean, you know, basketball isn't football. You don't got to be, you know, power lifter. Well, not even you don't, football, you don't got to be a power lifter, but, you know, you right. got to be strong. Uh, you know, basketball, you don't have to be the strongest man alive. 
uh, to be good. So uh, Nah, you definitely don't have to. We saw that with <laughs> Iverson. My man was six feet tall and 165 pounds, and he was out here, like, getting buckets. I mean, the, the dude made it look so easy. But that's what's interesting to me, because, like, if you're six feet tall and you're 165 pounds, he was thrown yeah. around the court like he was a, like, like a pinball machine. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, he was kind of, like, thrown around. He bounced off guys. And, right. And, and Cam, he was still out here leading the league and scoring four times, won MVP in 2001, guided that team to the finals. Man. Short. I mean, he was literally, he literally used his God-given, blessed athletic basketball ability. And he just went out there. He didn't care about lifting weights or anything. But what's crazy to me, though, like, imagine if he had, like, Kobe Bryant's mindset or Michael Jordan's work ethic. I mean, like, imagine if he had all of that. I mean, but, like, who's to say he didn't, though? I mean, he had four, scoring, four scoring titles, as you just said. I mean, look, when, when did AI ever play on a even remotely historically great team? Never. Never. Yeah, like, he never, never – like, you know, I mean, we argue that with, like, LeBron has even played on very few. Maybe you know, Denver. The heat. Man, I mean, I'm saying, like, remotely. Like, Denver, I mean, they're just a run of the – they were a run of – to me, yeah, I mean, they get, you know, into the playoffs, but they are just a run-of-the-mill playoff team to me. I mean, like, him, him, and, him and Carmelo Anthony, I mean, like, like, like yeah. maybe – We're talking about – I mean, we're yeah, that was – Carmelo – Carmelo was definitely, yeah, probably his best teammate ever. But uh, yeah. I'm saying team-wise, it's not like Denver. I mean, Denver was a playoff team, sure. But did anyone ever really think that they were going to win anything? I know when he first got there, everybody was really hyped. Everybody thought that, like, that Denver would kind of run things. Because it wasn't just him and Martin. It was um, not him and Anthony. It was, you know, Kenyon Martin. Right. J.R. JR was there, was there, Marcus Camby was there. Yeah, I mean they were good. I'm not saying Denver is trash. It's just that they were they were good. They were pretty good. I mean, you right? Know, they not, were good. They weren't great. Okay, I'll give yeah. you that one, Cam. I see what you're saying. All right, damn, dude, Allen Iverson. His whole career was just incredible. It really was. Now we have to go back to this Taco Bell debate. Okay, now listen, Taco Bell is like oh, a top. No. I'll I'll say Taco Bell is in the top five. Okay, all right, respect, I respect it. But it's like fourth or fifth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know you have Chick-fil-A, number one. You said this, Chick-fil-A is royalty. So. Chick-fil-A is number one. Chick-fil-A is number one. Number two, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing Wendy's in there. Okay, all right. When, all right. Wendy's is versatile, man. You can get Wendy's a burger. Wendy's is my number two as well. Because Wendy's is versatile, man. You can get a nice burger, but you can also get, like, a chicken sam- a good chicken sandwich there, too, you know? Yes. Like, they're yes. versatile. Number three, I think I would have to – um go with Popeyes <laughs> just because of that chicken sandwich dude Popeyes is like that chicken sandwich is out of this world yeah but they're like the rest of their food has fallen off hey man they got good biscuits the biscuits are still good biscuits you gotta drink like five glasses of water that's a fair point really, you do they're, they're they really are pretty good. dry they're delicious though they're delicious but they're a little dry all right I'll give you that okay but yeah. then but then at four it kind of comes down to like either McDonald's or Taco Bell they're kind of interchangeable for me. Ah, I can't say McDonald's is better than Taco Bell, even yeah. though I'm a McDonald's supporter. They're interchangeable for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I will go like, like whatever one you like offer me, I'm going to be like okay with either option. Uh, I don't know. It depends on how I'm feeling. I'll agree with that. It depends on how how I'm feeling. Like if somebody hit me up and said, "Yo, Kai, let's go to either McDonald's or Taco Bell," that's your option. I'd be like, hmm. 
I have to be in the mood for it. I got to be in the mood for either one. I'm probably. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Cam. All this Taco Taco Bell, like I'm probably Taco Bell, probably like eight times out of ten. Probably once this podcast is up, I'm probably going to be going to Taco Bell because I mean, <laughs> like, because <laughs> all of this. Talk, I'm telling you, all this talk about it now has me. In the when mood. have you on my inner Allen Iverson and just go to Taco Bell real quick, dude? <laughs> when when have you ever had look? Okay. When have you ever had bad Taco Bell? When have I ever had bad Taco Bell? Like, um, okay, like maybe like one time out of t- like I've had like nine times out of ten I'm having good Taco Bell, like whatever I, I go. I went last time I went there they gave me a flat Sprite, like the, the like the Sprite was flat. See, and then yeah, that yeah, true. Okay, I'll give like, you I'll, that. Like like McDonald's Sprite is crispy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like a crispy Sprite. Right. right? Like whenever you kind of like mm, it's good. It's, it singes. It singes. Yeah, right. It's, 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 it like kind of singes your taste buds a little bit, and you're like, "Ooh, that's crispy." So like, you have to like kind of, like, <laughs> it kind of like you know, it wakens your taste buds, man. It gives you a full fledged wake up. It's good. Got it's that good. pop. Yeah, it's, it's like gives you a little pop, pop. So it's like one of those things. I have to be in the mood for for Taco Bell. You you put me in the mood though, Cam. Like you and Alan Iverson have put me in the mood because Taco Bell's greatness. Or <laughs> Taco Bell, so that's what I'm probably gonna do later. Now, but before we end this podcast, man, another Sixers moment happened on this day that I have to give a highlight to. T.J. McConnell saved the Sixers from elimination against the Boston Celtics in 2018. He scored a, a career high 19 points and a start against the Celtics and he saved their season for at least two days. So respect to TJ McConnell for doing balling. that. Man, yeah. was balling. He was balling. I got to give major respect to TJ McConnell for saving the Sixers for at least two days. So I applaud you, TJ McConnell. Good job, dude. Cam, a- any, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? Man, I can't believe I'm saying this, but low key, I'm getting kind of bored with Call of Duty every night, man. Oh, uh, I'm gonna. So I'm just like, to be honest, like it's getting kind of like the war zone. It's just too hard. It's just getting so hard now. And listen, like, like, uh, listen, man. Black Ops One is still available. You might as well just go out there and hop on that no, zombie scroll. Not on, not on PlayStation Four, bro. Come on, Cam. Come not on. The, not, the, not the first one. Not, not the first one. I mean, yeah, obviously, like the third and fourth one, bro. But, yeah, but I heard Black Ops 4 zombies are trash. Black Ops 3 and 4 is trash in general. Damn, he said they're trash in general. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've heard Black Ops 4 zombies, like the maps are just awful. No, I, I don't mess with it. Mm. I just play Modern Warfare. All right. It. Modern Warfare it is, man. I hear you. I mean, I got to round 28 and 5. I was so close. Oh, I was okay. so close, so close, and then, um, I like the monkey bomb didn't come out of my hand quick enough, and then the zombies <laughs> got me. <laughs> like, like you know, how, you know how like when you're like pushing the button and everything, you get ready to throw it, and like they can still attack you while you're doing it. It's messed oh, up. Oh dang. Yeah, so like it didn't like get out of my hand quick enough, so like it kind of messed up my whole flow. They stole my whole floor, uh, uh, bar for bar. You know what I'm saying? It kind of like, like like messed me up. <laughs> Tragic. Tragic. tragic and on that note guys we've got to end it on a tragic note we apologize sometimes you got to end things on a tragic note so for cameron fields i'm kai carlin we're out we'll see you guys next time on the bell ringer Bye.